friends, welcome back to another episode of the Jasmine Star Show. I am your host, Jasmine Star, and I am joined by the ever amazing Anna Bond of her successful brand, A Lily Love Affair. Now, before I dive into questions, I want to just like set the basis because this is a departure that I have been waiting, a departure from the stuff that I normally talk about. I have been waiting this for a while. I've been watching what you're doing. I'm excited to get started. So here's a little bit. I'm going to spill the tea. So for people who are listening, there's a lot of creators. Now, Anna's income used to primarily rely on social media through paid collaborations and affiliate sales. And then she decided, listen, social media is great and all, but I want to run a successful business that isn't just on one thing. She started to incorporate SEO, search engine optimization to grow her online presence. Now let's fast forward a year and a half. Boom. That is where Anna is with us right now. And she has grown her blog revenue. People say blogging doesn't matter. Yo, I am still blogging. Anna is of my people. That's why I'm so excited to have her here. She now has makes over five figures at minimum a month. She has increased her affiliate sales. She's done a lot more in income, all this other stuff. And we're going to learn how Anna has leveraged website SEO to secure and diversify your financial future. I cannot wait for this conversation. No, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. (laughs) Well, I did my homework on you. I've been kind of just fascinated in hearing all of these things. And I want to learn. I selfishly have these conversations, Anna, because I want to learn what you're doing. (laughs) And And that's exactly how I got started as well. I mean, that's exactly. Let's start there. Like, what is, what's like the nutshell version? How did you get started with A Lily Love Affair? How did you get there? Oh, gosh. Um, So I started with a Lily Love Affair because um, I have always been in the corporate world. And so graduated from college. I went to Indiana University, go Big Red, um, and moved to Chicago immediately after. But, you know, in college, I guess really even just growing up, always had a passion for fashion. And um, but I also was really, really focused on creating this really exceptional career for myself and wanted to be, you know, this strong female powerhouse. And uh, my first job out of college, I was surrounded by all these really beautiful, powerful women leaders who have helped create who I am today. But I, I really didn't want to be like your cookie cutter trouser wearing black suit with a white button down to an interview kind of gal. Like I really wanted to be really professional and feel really good in my clothes, but also express my own personal style in the boardroom. And so um, when I first started in corporate, I was, you know, wearing color at the office, which back then like was not happening a lot, it felt like. And, you know, I would wear blouses with bows and um, I would get questions all the time from people that I worked with, like, oh, where did you get that? And how do you style that? I could never do that at the office, but you always look so amazing. And um, I always felt, you know, like that was really great. And I was always like, you know, talking to women after meetings or we were going to, you know, client dinners and somebody was less interested in what the client was saying, but, you know, was saying Mm. after dinner, like, I really have to know where you got that beautiful suit or, you know, how this, that, and other. And I'm petite, I'm only five feet tall. So I always get a ton of questions from people around where to buy things for petite folks too. Um, And I grew up with a few girlfriends in the corporate world too, who were like, okay, enough already you really should start a blog. And this was like back in 2009. And I was like, 
what a what like a what no I'm not doing that I don't even know what that is like I don't even know what you're talking about and so a close girlfriend of mine was like okay at least find that you don't want to start a blog but at least let's start you an Instagram account and I thought Oh my God. Okay, fine. Like, like, let's do that. And so fast forward a few months, I got a call from Reward Style. And back then, um, my call from Reward Style said, we really love your style. We would love to work with you, but do you have a blog? Because back then, right. to work with Reward Style, you right. had to have a blog. And, so- and the, can we just have a moment, Anna, though? Yeah. Like when Reward Style is reaching out to you and like, what is this, like 2010? Like yeah. you are, like you're part of like the Mount Everest of like Reward Style was early. Early, that they were they were super selective with who they were picking like good for you like that alone like l- ladies and gentlemen listen up we got an OG player in the house okay okay yeah so I was like okay maybe I should take this seriously so fast forward again I you know bought a camera and one of my girlfriends and my now husband was so gracious to like go out and take all of these photos and we would you know throw it up on the blog with all these tips and tricks. And then fast forward again, we got featured as one of the top Chicago blogs in Refinery29 back in 2010, 2011. Okay. Refinery29, you just kind of casually slip it in again. Now I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm aging myself, but like, (laughs) I doubt it. This was like, when you think about blogging, this was one of like the first, I mean, this is web too. This is us having the ability to put out content that we created on a blog with our like chosen name on the blog. Right. If you wanted to host your own blog, you had the opportunity to, which was massive. Right. And then you had these other massive blogs like Refinery29 that are hand selecting and curating. And Refinery29 was like a curating of the good stuff on the internet. When you got like a thumbs up from Refinery29, you were so, you were so legit, Anna. Yeah. You were so legit. At the time I had no idea, you know, you're just like, but what year is this? What year is this? Probably 2011, 2012, maybe. So there's like, essentially, we can kind of just guess like two and a half years from, okay, finally, I'll start a blog in 2009 to getting awards, getting notoriety, having your friend and your dear husband take photos of you and you're putting out content. And so what, what kind of starts happening around this time? That's really when like brand partnerships um, kind of exploded. We made so many incredible connections um, in Chicago and beyond. Um, and we just became much more serious, right? I mean, I think that that was when it was no longer just this casual thing that I was interested in doing. It was like, okay, I can reach this broader group of women. And even if for anybody that works with me in the corporate world knows that like, I could care less about the money. I could care less about any of that. Like my, my goal is to always just help women feel really good in their bodies and really good in their clothes. And so I thought this is really reaching women. And I would get, you know, emails from new, you know, audience members and things like that around like, oh, this, this tip really helped me feel more confident. Or I did go into my interview feeling like myself in like the style that I really loved. And because of that, like I, I got the job and I just, I, I just exuded confidence and, and things I like that. that. So it just ended up being this really, really beautiful um, sort of evolution into a business. But I, 
I was still so, it was still so ingrained in me that like a corporate job is the only way to go, regardless of how much money I might be able to make from this thing that no one knows about. Like when I would talk to my parents about it, they were like, I'm sorry, you're doing what? <laughs> we just paid $200,000 for you to go to college to do what? Um, so it didn't matter. Like, you know, I'm sure you can understand that. And any other yes. content creator that's ever tried to explain to somebody what they do is like, right. you know, you get like the dog look like the, huh? Um, yeah. But it was really great. It was this really beautiful evolution. But at some point, um, I still focused on the blog a lot. And even though we had this great readership kind of established, I grew up, even though I was blogging in 2010 with this understanding that most of my eggs were in my Instagram basket. And so that audience, you know, grew pretty significantly. We started to get featured by, you know, some really great brands and things like that. And so our audience grew a lot on Instagram. And even though we were really, really focused on the blog and creating content, Back then, I had no idea that about it entirely the wrong way. <laughs> so. so that leads us to your big thesis and statement. What did it look like for you to do it the wrong way? And then what did you fix? So, um, and this is so many of the women that I've talked to in the last two or so years since I've started to create, you know, focus on myself is um, I was cre- I was putting my heart and soul into creating all of this great content, but I was only focused on creating the content in a way that would resonate with my Instagram followers, but was never going to be something that worked for me in my sleep. Um, meaning like I was not concentrating on SEO, which anybody that's listening is called search engine optimization, which is you know essentially where people find you through searching on search engines like Google and Bing and things like that. Hold on, hold on, Anna. I just want to pause and repeat it for the people in the back. Search engine optimization is Anna's definition of somebody being able to search for something specific and come across a piece of content that she created. Now, the difference is that SEO does not exist at the time of this recording on social platforms like Facebook or Instagram. If you were to search corporate shirt, big red bow on Instagram, it's not going to come up. Uh, So... If you go into, say, Google, yep. search engine optimization will be optimizing sites to serve you up content for the very thing that you are searching for. And Anna started paying a lot more attention to that. So what did that look like? So in late 2019, I went to a blogging dinner and I was talking to... So wait, nine years later from the Refinery29? Oh, yeah. Wow. And I was creating like three or four blog posts a week as are we consult with a number of women over the last two years or so who are doing the exact same thing, who are putting in hours and blood, sweat and tears into creating this beautiful content, but aren't focusing on SEO, which I can talk about. Like, how does that how does that work um, yeah. here in a second? But um I was, yeah, putting blood, sweat, and tears for almost 10 years into creating this great content that no one was ever going to find unless I shared it on social media. And thank God for my social media community because that drove some traffic, but no one else was ever going to find it. So it was like a grind and a hustle all the time to get anybody to really see the site. And so I went to a blogging dinner 
And I sat across the table from one of my really close girlfriends. And I think at that time, a lot of the creators, including myself, we were starting to slowly feel this like, gosh, we're putting in all this effort into Instagram. But like, what if Instagram went away tomorrow? <laughs> like the majority of our revenue streams at this, you know, at this table would go away. And my girlfriend said, Anna, I was dying to get to this dinner with you because you're doing it all the wrong way. And I said, say what? Uh, what do you mean? And she was like, you're putting all of your eggs in the Instagram basket. Last month alone, I made nearly almost six figures last month from my blog, simply through SEO. I will not create a piece of content unless I can make it SEO friendly content. And that blog post will live on in the interwebs for years to come so long as it's relevant. And she said, I challenge you the minute you leave this dinner to go and teach yourself SEO, do it tomorrow, Anna, do not wait another minute. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you find yourself in those situations, like where you go hours and hours for the rest of the day, and like, I don't even remember talking about or to anyone else at that dinner. I mean, I was conversing with lots of people, but all I could (laughs) think about was... My best girlfriend just made six figures last month. And here I am like, you know, I have a manager who's coordinating um, blog collaborations for me and I'm hustling, trying to get things on Instagram. Nothing is working for me overnight. Um, And certainly not if I share something tomorrow on Instagram, likely, you know, a week from now, it's going to be completely irrelevant uh, content. No one, no one's going to find it. And so that's exactly what I did. I went home that next day. I cleared some meetings at the office because I was still working full time. And I was like, where do I begin? So I just started to spend hour after hour after hour and days and weeks and months diving into all of these resources, um, trying to teach myself SEO. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I started to put what I was learning into practice. Um, some of the stuff that I learned really worked. And I'd say 50% of the other stuff that I paid thousands and thousands of dollars to learn didn't work. And then about a year or two later, it really started to multiply. Like I could start stepping away from Instagram at months at a time, honestly, um, and still make five figures. And it was like this weight was lifted. I was still reaching a really great, incredible audience, actually one that I never, I don't know that I would have reached on Instagram because people through search engine optimization, when they're they're literally going to search for a piece of content and then hopefully finding yours, like you're really truly solving a problem. If you do it the right way, you're solving a problem for someone. And they find you and then they become, you know, what you hope is a loyal, you know, follower and subscriber and all of that. And so it was like this weight was automatically lifted from my my chest and my shoulders. And I just so happened to get on Instagram one day and say, there's just not enough women out there supporting like other women. And I'm here to tell you that if my girlfriend wouldn't have been gracious enough several months ago to talk to me about the importance of focusing on my business. And she was 
gave me some early tools and tips. And she was really an advocate equally for wanting me to be successful. And if she didn't do that, I would still be in the same place. I'd still be sweating Instagram posts probably. And I said, like, I don't want another woman to also lose the same amount of sleep that I was losing creating content. Um, I scheduled 50 free phone calls with a bunch of women where we talked for hours about SEO and now we so work when you with talked, of women. So when you talked with that first batch, what, what were the patterns that you were seeing? Like what was like, so somebody's listening and being like, okay, well, when they think about the content that I'm creating, uh, maybe people have blogs or maybe they're just thinking, how do I expand on my personal website right now? Like what were the common themes that you saw people doing? So there were a couple of different buckets. And so this is kind of like where I think everybody falls. And even people who really want to make money from their blogs fall into these same categories. There were people who are creating what could be SEO friendly content today, but not focused on SEO um, and therefore losing revenue. So somebody who's a travel blogger, for example, could have this really incredible in-depth Punta Cana, uh, what to do in Punta Cana, like a Punta Cana travel guide. And it could be well-written. It could have so much useful information for somebody that's searching things to do in Punta Cana um, with all of these beautiful photos and well-written reviews. But if they're not focusing on SEO, then no one right, is ever going to find that except for in their Instagram highlight. Um, and so there's those individuals who are writing content that could be SEO-friendly today that people could recreate or just make a few tweaks to to make it SEO friendly. So searchable on Bing or Google or whatnot. Then there's a group of people who are writing content that is a passion project for them um, that isn't necessarily going to be SEO friendly, like how I survived my grandma's passing, right? Like I'm just going to pour my heart out about like I had this really beautiful relationship yes. with my grandmother and like, here's how I coped with that. Although you could maybe make that SEO friendly. But then similarly, there could be a fashion blogger who creates content around like their Amazon favorites for that month, for example, as well. Like that's not going to necessarily be an SEO friendly content, but if they made small tweaks to that post, it could potentially be. So instead of saying something like, here's my September Amazon favorites, because right, if you just think about how you're creating content, you want it to be something somebody's looking for. And no one is typing in Anna's September Amazon favorites, right? Like no one's searching right. for that. But they may right. be searching for the best affordable kitchen gadgets on Amazon or the best Lululemon dupe leggings on Amazon. So I found that there were a good group of people who were writing content that could be SEO friendly, but weren't necessarily thinking about how it might be able to be immediately applicable to search engines or tweaked in a way that could be friendly for search engines, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. And so I feel like I had a very personal experience with exactly what Anna is saying. So um, I went to Evertrusty Google and I was looking actually rather prematurely. I was looking because I create content is I was looking for Christmas pajamas in September. And those are kind. So I, uh, so I went to Google and I put matching family Christmas pajamas. Like I knew exactly what I was searching for. And lo and behold, 
content creators had created posts. But so what I saw like the trend kind of happening, which I thought was so smart, is that people were in that post, in addition to dropping their affiliate links and doing cross comparisons, they were dropping links to their Instagram. So they were doing a carousel on Instagram. And so I saw how they were like using the same content with minor tweaks that worked extraordinarily well. And now the difference with it being on the blog is they had multiple affiliate links versus on Instagram where you have one exit link and they would have like a link tree or multiple links or whatever the case may be. I thought it was very, very, very interesting. So when you're talking about this, I'm immediately going into you could totally cross pollinate your content, work on a long form piece of content and then break it out. But I am absolutely obsessed with the idea. And then the thing that I've noticed, Anna, I started off as a blogger. I started my career as a photographer and like I'm a blogger's blogger. The relationships that I created with people on the blog is so different than what was happening on social media. People were there. They want to read longer. They're more invested. Uh, The click through rate on blogging is so different than it is on social media. So this is why I was like, I really want Anna to come and I want you to speak to this specifically as business owners because people are like, I'm so burnt out. How do I, you know, how do I handle this all? What is your methodology for I'm creating a blog post and I know that you're not on social as much, but what then, what does your ecosystem look like to, to, to facilitate both of those things? So, I mean, I used to be on social all the time, frankly, like all hours of the day. Um, Thank God for the SEO, because that's the only thing that would have allowed me to step away from social uh, these last few months, especially. But so one of the things that just to piggyback on what you were saying is one of the things that I highlight with women all the time or men is so many people think like, oh, why do I even want to concentrate on SEO in the first place? And a lot of people are like, oh, well, I want to get to like an ad revenue business. You know, I want to get to Mediavine or AdDrive or something like that. And that's like my main goal, right? I just want to drive traffic. But sort of the hidden gems to SEO is exactly what you were just saying. Like, if you're really smart about how you do it, you can double, triple, quadruple your right. affiliate sales. I have an admin that's like, why are we getting so many sales? Um, it's not stuff we're putting on Instagram. I'm like, you're forgetting about the blog. Like the majority of the sales actually come from the blog, but also the people like we have quadrupled our um, email subscriber list. Mm -hmm. And those people are loyal folks, right? Because they're coming to find content um, again and again, especially if you're in a niche, right? Like they're searching for those terms all the time. And if they continue to see you on that first page of Google, it starts to create this no like and trust um, kind of automatically. And they do want to read this long form content. They will visit your other social channels. They're willing, they're more willing and buyers, right? It, it, there's so many additions, I think, that cut these bonus things that come with focusing on SEO that I didn't even realize would happen to me. I was just my main goal was to get to ad or to Mediavine or AdDrive so that I could just make money through ad revenue, but I had no idea or didn't even consider at the time that we would like, we would just explode with email subscribers that the affiliate sales would increase so significantly, all of those things. I love it. Okay. So for somebody who's listening and is like, okay, I like what she's saying. I'm not sure if I want to go all in. If somebody's a business owner and they maybe have a blog, they haven't been so active. A couple of things that I heard. 
was you made the active decision to start putting a concerted effort towards your SEO. And then you had said it was, I think you had said two years later, you started seeing like the after effects from it. So this is, yeah. I mean, so that's, I think that's where most people get a little bit discouraged with SEO is that it it's is in a all things, marathon. Anna, it's in all things. It's in all yes. everything. And that's what in I life. tell people. It is everything 100%. good is a marathon. Correct. I tell people that all the time. Like you don't create an Instagram account today and expect to have a hundred thousand followers, right? Like, but you know, you have to nurture that audience. You have to nurture the game. You've got to massage it. You've got to AB test things. You've got to do all the things. The same thing is true with SEO. Um, So it was about a year and a half later before I was really seeing things like five figures. Um, I mean, you can go to, I have an Instagram highlight and you can see it like, if you look at my Google analytics, it's the cutest thing. Cause it's just the line is like dismal. <laughs> and then it just like, you just see this like steady, like climb, it's a mountain. And it's like the most rewarding thing, especially if you love analytics, it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever see. <laughs> but- okay. So somebody's sitting here and they're like, I want to see the cute analytical climb. And I want to post that on like a story highlight. What are three things that a listener right now Like what's three things that you could just whip us into shape to be like, these are the things you're looking for. This is what you could start doing. Goodness. Um, So one of the things that you want to start doing is good keyword research. So the goal for SEO, right, is for most people is to find good keywords or topics. They can be short keywords or long tail keywords, um, which are phrases things like that. You want to find good keywords in your niche that you can compete with. So I'll give you a good example. For me as a lifestyle blogger, I'll create content around fashion, travel, beauty, and recipes. So my goal, if I'm concentrating specifically as it relates to SEO, I want to find topics within those four sort of categories that have a lot of searching So a lot of search volume on Google, but is a keyword or a topic that I know I can rank for based on my site's size. So for somebody like me, that might be something like how to wear 25 ways to wear white denim or a Fabletics review. You know, so there may be these various categories, these various topics that you want to be able to find that you can rank for that you're also passionate about delivering on your blog. So I'll give you some more examples. The the women that I work with in our network, some of them will come to me and say, one of my girlfriends came and said, okay, I've got this blog post ready. I want to do a blog post on dry brushing. And I said, Katie, amazing. This is such a well-written blog post. You're never going to rank on the first page of Google for dry brushing though, because every humongous beauty site Um, is already creating some sort of content around dry brushing as the keyword. So if your keyword is dry brushing, somebody like Katie, who's got a smaller but successful site, is going to have a hard time getting that article on the first page of Google. It's like somebody who wants to write an article on how to become debt-free, right? Like that's never going to happen for you or I. (laughs) It's going to happen for CNN Money and Forbes Magazine. Like that's, that's about it. Correct. But something like, Um, how to dry brush or top five techniques for dry brushing or tools you need for dry brushing. Those are things that you could, those are keywords or topics that somebody smaller could compete with that does have good search volume 
And so, so you good. can tweak your content in a way that is still SEO friendly, that brings people to your site in your sleep, if that makes sense. So I'd say totally. focusing on keyword research is the first thing that I would do. Along with that, uh, and this is always a little bit controversial, uh, but we always teach our clients to do competitor research. I think it is one of the best ways um, to get off the ground with SEO. Take a look at your competitors. There are a lot of free tools out there that will allow you to see what your competitors are already doing today in terms of SEO, where are they seeing success? What content are they creating? What keywords are they using? Um, and really the best thing to do is go out there and do the same thing, but better. So those are some really easy ways, I think, for people to get started. Um, but then there's also really a lot of free things that you want to do within your content, like making sure that if you have really great, beautiful, powerful images within your content, make sure you're using things like alt tags and alt descriptions to name that, make that image also SEO friendly. I cannot tell you how many people will not, will skip that step in SEO, but how much traffic they're, they're leaving on the table. Because when you search for content, oftentimes those images are what drive our, a lot of our traffic, especially for things like fashion related content or travel related content. They're actually coming because Google pushed a series of images to them that linked to our article. Now, on this note, I'm, I'm just so fascinated because early in my photography days, I was adding tags to uh, like the titles of images. Now, back in the day, Sex in the City, Carrie had a pair of blue Manila Blahniks and a lot of my brides started having them. So I started tagging them that way and I started getting so much traffic to my site because it wasn't just the standard, um, like the stock image of Manila Blahnik. It was how, and so I started realizing that if that was driving traffic, that I was able to create a juxtaposition. And I said, oh, yeah. this bride had this pair, this bride, and this is how I styled them. So I was contextualizing the way that the shoe yeah. looked and it just started picking up traffic from other prospective brides, which was really fascinating in a luxury market. So yeah. I'm just out here like testifying yeah. that um, this stuff, this stuff. Okay, so um, back in my blog blogging days, yeah. Like art and blogging. I was blogging like twice a day, like content yes. creating. Yes. And I, <laughs> I had heard that posts should be at minimum 650 words. Do you still adhere to that? Should I like, is this something yeah. that I'm going to be pretty a stickler still about? Yeah. So one of the other things that I always tell people to go out and do is before you want to create any sort of content, again, especially if you're focused on SEO, is to go out and Google your term. So in this case, like Royal Blue Manolo Blahniks or how to style Royal Blue Manolos um, or packing tips, packing essentials for a road trip, whatever that is before you create any piece of content, go out and Google it. Because the best free way I think to do competitor research is to Google your own term and then go find out what Google is already prioritizing. Mm. Mm. So what, how long are those articles? What's their keyword? What questions are they answering? What images do they have? What affiliate links are they sending to people? And so if everybody on the first page of Google is creating an article that's 2,500 words or more, answering 30 questions, like really relevant, beautiful questions, 
and I only intend to write an article that's 500 words. Will I rank or not? I don't know, you know, because it's it's really about answering the user's intent. Like, what is it that that person's actually, you know, really looking for, right? Like, what is the user who's typing that into Google? Are they actually looking for? Do they want a list? Do they want a printable? Do they want questions answered? Or do they want to purchase something? Do they want advice? Like, so I always tell people before you create content, go find out at least no less than the top five articles What is the, uh, I mean, you don't have to do the calculation in terms of word count, but, you know, take a look at the length of that article. And if every single one of them is 2000 words, then I would say, in my case, I would create an article that was at least 2000 words or more, because that tells me what Google's already prioritizing. Mm, So good. Okay. Are there any Yeah, I never say that there's like an exact threshold. This really depends on the type of content that you're creating and who you're competing against for that. So good. The poor social curator copywriters, I'm going to tell them this and be like, y'all had it easy at 650. (laughs) It might be 2000. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. This is really good. Are there any other tools that you use or that for somebody who's, you know, like, what are you recommending? Yes. So I do think that SEO can get very costly, right? It, it can right. be really costly for some people. And people feel like, especially when they're getting started, um, that they need these really robust, expensive tools in order to be successful. And that's not true. Um, there are some of those tools I, that I pay for today and that are really, that do really help me, but they didn't necessarily, wouldn't have been a game changer for me when I was first starting and not making any money yet for from SEO. Uh, And so um, there are a number of really great tools that I think if somebody is interested in teaching themselves SEO, um, there's a ton of amazing resources out there. First, YouTube is an excellent place to learn like anything else. Um, I mean, you can basically Google anything that you want to learn, SEO for basics, SEO for beginners, keyword research for beginners. And there's going to be a ton of really beautiful, great Um, content on YouTube. But there are a few tools. um, Mediavine, which is a major ad revenue firm, they, um, even though they, you have to apply to be a part of their network, they have a blog on their site um, that is really great, filled with a ton of awesome, awesome resources. Um, There is another tool called moz.com. It's moz.com. Moz.com has some really excellent tools as well. They also have a blog, which is really fantastic. Um, I always send people to um, another tool called SEMrush or SEMrush. People use it interchangeably. Also an incredibly robust um, blog on their site filled with lots and lots of um, great, well-written, detailed articles that will literally help you from like, start here if you're a beginner, here's some media, you know, here if you're advanced in SEO, learn from this tool. But then a guy named Neil, uh, Neil Patel, who's an industry expert, a marketer expert, he has developed some really great tools. Um, one of them is called Uber Suggest. Um, And it is a really great tool if you're looking for an affordable and free um, tool to do keyword research and competitor research. He's got um, a very mini free SEO course um, and a lot of really great tools and articles, both on his YouTube channel as well as on Uber Suggest. But Anna, 
Do you have something too, right? I do. Yeah. So we create, I mean, we have to give a shout out. Like, okay, number one, I want everybody, I want everybody to take a look at everything that Anna has mentioned and we'll be, we will be adding them to the show notes as well. But I also think it's important to do your homework. There are amazing options out there, but then if you have like this connection with Anna and you're like, I think she's speaking my language. I think I can learn from her. It's not just about the monetary exchange. It's how is that information going to be distilled? So talk to me about, talk to me about what you do, what you provide. Yeah. So we, um, after we got on the phone with 50 or more women, I realized like I was creating these like Google drives for all these women and I was recording videos for them. And I was like, you know what? I, I really need a way to get to more women because I eventually had to stop myself at 50 uh, calls when all the women in my network and masterminds were like, have another free call and I'll kill you. <laughs> like you have to find a more efficient way to spend your time. Um, And so we created what I think is a really beautiful SEO course. Um, It's 45 video modules where we walk you through exactly what we did um, to go from making no money at all to making nearly five figures, um, how to create from scratch a blog post, how to do competitor research, the free tools that we use every single day uh, to do um, keyword research, all of that. But beyond that, I think what's what I always try to tell people is for me, again, we try to keep the course really, really affordable because for me, it's not about the money at all. It is the pain that I see in women's eyes uh, every day who are creating really incredible content that are losing money because they just don't know where to start. Um, they don't know how to get their SEO off the ground. And we've um, now had a chance to work with several hundred women through the course. And the feedback is really, really beautiful. But every single person that enrolls into the course has access to me at any time. I set them up with a Voxer. I will get on endless phone calls for no additional charge. Like It is just really important to me to help other women see the success. And so, yes, we, we do. Thank you that. for the shameless plug there. But well, yes, we do I have mean, the course. I, I, I feel like, yeah, no, no, no. I feel like every time somebody comes on the podcast, it's because I've been watching intently what it is they do. And I love the fact that you didn't lead with that. So I appreciate you a thousand times over on the podcast. I like to kind of end things in a retrospective. When you put yourself back in the shoes of where you were in 2010 and 2015 and 2019, and you look back at like that period, is there anything you would have done differently? I would have started sooner. Oh, yes. I would have started sooner. Uh, in retrospect, yeah, now I wish I would have listened. I always knew, I mean, people as a content creator, as a blogger, more specifically, you always heard people talk about things like, oh, you should be focusing on SEO. And I always just thought like, no, that's not a big deal. Mm. But so from a business perspective, I would have focused on SEO. It's my biggest regret wholeheartedly. Um, But I would say um, outside of just the the blog and social channels and things like that, I would have um, given myself permission to invest in myself and in my business at an earlier point. Um, I don't think I really focused a lot and gave myself that permission to spend money on myself, on the learnings, on the business until recently, until the last like four or five years. And I would have 
always made sure I was surrounding myself with a lot of other really beautiful, supportive, encouraging women, um, because I just think that that is so important. I've always had these great, incredible women um, around me, but when I've focused on building those really significant relationships, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just so much more beautiful, I think. And I would have allowed for more of that time um, and investment earlier on. I wish I would have invested on it. I love that. So starting earlier, giving yourself the permission to invest in yourself and your business and connecting with other powerful women and or people in your life to push it forward. So Annette, how can people connect with you after this amazing conversation? (laughs) Conversation. Um, I mean, you can always find me on the blog or on um, our Instagram channel, which is Anna Bon, A-N-N-A-B-A-U-N. Um, we are also starting a second site called Sophia Living. It'll be um, a site dedicated to sustainability sustainable fashion brands and things like that. But we are constantly in our DMs, even though we don't look as active on Instagram these days, we're getting back in it. Um, But I'm in my DMs all day long conversing with women who need help. Um, So if you do, please, please, please reach out to me. I will gladly set up phone calls. I will help you in any way. I was boxering with like six different women earlier this morning. We're like, help. Um, so I love nothing more than connecting with women, especially if you are looking to make more money or if you're in the corporate world and want to leave it like I did. Um, call me. Mm-hmm. I love this. I <laughs> love this. I can, the phone. <laughs> I can attest. Uh, I reached out to Anna via DM and we connected less than 24 hours later. And she is a woman who practices what she preaches and she does have a heart to help others. Anna, it has been an honor and a privilege. Thank you for getting so tactical. Thank you for sharing multiple perspectives of what it takes to be successful. I wish you many, many, many more successful stories and I wish you the best. I will be a person in your corner. Feel free to vox me anytime too. (laughs) Thanks friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Send Anna a DM. Let her know what you thought or better yet, post a story and tag us both at Jasmine Star at Anna Vaughn. It's always an honor and privilege. Thank you, Anna. Thank you.